Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Jesus, and we've got the scriptures here that we want to read along with. It says this, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born. In Bethlehem. In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has spoken. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, when it rose, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's go back to verse 11 here just for a moment. This is verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary... And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. On coming to the house, when they saw the child, they saw the child. I want us to think right now, when they saw the child, imagine this moment when other people outside of the immediate family, when they see Jesus, they just have seen The child. This is pretty adorable seeing this child. Look at this girl. You kidding me? That was a cool moment. Andrew, we've been working on that all week. Perfect entrance. You nailed it. First of all, it says when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Something went off inside of their heart when they saw the child, when they saw the star. It says, then they saw the child, and then they had a response. It's hard to, to see a child and not have a response go off inside of your heart. Isn't it amazing that what we see many times moves the inner man? It moves our inner life. We kind of want what we see or we have a reaction to something that we've seen. Our eyes are the gateway to our heart. It's a window. It kind of opens up the, the uh, kind of some access to our heart of what's going on. It's just something that's pretty neat that's happening. These guys, they see it and then they're moved and they want it. Something that's happened to me 
in my life is this. Let's say this. Whenever I wake up in the morning, I don't have in my heart a desire to work out. Anybody else? It's not in there. Yeah, both hands. Let's just worship him. Thank you, Jesus. But then I see it. Maybe I flip through Instagram and I see somebody else working out. And guess what I want to do? I want to go back to bed, first of all. (laughs) But I flip enough and I see it enough to where something happens and I think, what I've seen, it's stirring, it's moving, it's causing some motivation, it's causing my motivator to want to respond in a different way. What happens here is they see Jesus and it moves something inside of them to where they want to start to give. It says, first they hit the deck, they bow down, and now we're going to worship him. And then it says, then because of the, they've seen Jesus, now they want to give. Something flows out of them. It's not enough just to worship, but now we want to move. It becomes an action verb. Love is an action verb. In the Bible, in the book of John, it says this, that you will know that you are my disciples by the way that you will love one another, by the way that you will give and extend that love to one another. We'll look like Jesus when we begin to love like Jesus and when we begin to give like Jesus. John 13, chapter 30, uh, chapter thir- 13, verse 35, by this you will know that you are my disciples if you will love one another. Here's what I've observed in my 41 years on the planet and 20 plus years in ministry. There are people who are proficient at giving and there are people who are proficient at receiving. There's people who are really, really good at giving gifts and there's other people that their skill set is receiving gifts. That's what they're good at. I've just noticed that. There's, there's, there's kind of two kinds of people, people that really like to give and people that really like to receive. And I'll tell you this, that giving, I believe, is not so much a gauge of age. It's not even a gauge of vi- financial blessing or having extra resource. Giving is, I believe, it's a gauge of maturity in the heart. It's a gauge of trusting the Father that he'll provide for me. It's a gauge of generosity that I want to give to others. I mean, like, like children can understand giving perhaps maybe even more than adults sometimes. Whenever a kid will color a picture and give it to someone, they're just being mindful of someone else. I absolutely love that. I'm blown away by that. Or whenever they've got a cookie and they'll break it in half and give it. It's not even a gauge of plenty or having excess or having a lot left over. It's just being willing to give whatever you've got. It really is a gauge of generosity in the heart. I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of money that will give a lot of money. And then I've seen people that have a little bit of money that will give a little bit of money. And the Bible even speaks to this. And they're like, you know what? The millionaire showed up and they wrote big checks. But the widow's might. She had a couple coins and she gave all that she has. That stuff moves the heart of God. It's not even a gauge of amount. It's really a window into our heart of if we want to partner with God and be generous and to be a giver with the Lord. Something I'll tell you that frustrates my heart as a father is whenever I give stuff to my kids and then they will not share with others. I just want to remind them, it's like, you didn't have that to begin with. Why do you become so territorial over something that your father in his generosity gave to you as a child and then you lock in on it and you don't want to give? You don't want to give to anybody else. Any fathers out there, you've had generous moments where you have given and then you watch your children not be generous and does that just tick you off? 
Like, ugh, I don't like this. You're not acting like your father right now. And I want to model better for you how we need to give. You know what it comes down to when I see happens with these wise men is what they saw moved them. They saw Jesus. They saw him. I'll tell you, when I don't see Jesus, I just kind of see myself. I just want to keep my stuff. I become really kind of navel-gazing. It's, it's about me, and I don't really want to flow in generosity. They saw the star. Joy hit their spirit. They see the God-man, and they hit the deck. And they bow, and they bend, and they begin to worship. And then stuff started flowing out of their lives. It was powerful. It's good. It's good, man. This just happened last night. Nora had a special snack. I forget what it was. And she, she's eating it, and Ronnie says, Nora, can I, have, can I have some? And Nora says, no. And Ronnie's like, Dad, Nora's not sharing. You know what my response was? Ronnie, do you remember the time? Well, yeah, I remember that, but I, th I thought that you wouldn't, like, bring it back up. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to remind me of my weakness and whenever I was a bummer. Like, why is that leveraged against me? She didn't use the word leverage yet. I can't wait till she learns that word, but I'm going to teach her. I didn't think that. And I said, oh, heck yeah, girl. It's like sowing and reaping. Like, you didn't share with Nora. Isn't it interesting now that her heart's closed off to sharing with you? It's fascinating, isn't it? No, it's not fascinating. It's stupid. It's dumb. She could just give me one. I'm like, yeah, she, she should. And Nora, I, I wish that you would. Even when other people aren't awesome to share with you, Nora, I wish that you would be awesome in sharing with your sister. Wouldn't it be cool if we just valued another to where we would share with each other? Something that moves me is whenever I'll maybe see like a little kid, they'll put a quarter in the offering plate. Isn't that cool? That's just cool, man. Like, they don't have a J-O-B, and yet they're giving. They just know, like, I just think that this is going to please the heart of God. I know that this is what I'm kind of my, my pleasing and acceptable gift of sacrifice to the Lord. It's just something cool. It's not the dollar amount of the gift that's necessary. It's the heart of a giver that is necessary. Giving is an attitude. It's a disposition. So whether it's giving of your service, it's giving of your time, it's giving compliments, it's something that happens in you that flows out of you that lands on someone else. It's really not an indication of your wallet. It's an indicator of your heart. It really peaks deeper past money into the man, into the woman, into the heart that they have. And if it's not in your heart, your wallet could be full and your heart is empty. And it will block up the flow of the heart of a giver. So one time I remember as a youth pastor, we took a, a group of kids on a mission trip to Mexico. I'm talking with one of the uh, guys that's there in Mexico, and I just start talking to him, just giving out some compliments, and I say, I really like your soccer shirt. It's a cool soccer shirt. I don't know anything about soccer. I think Pele played a little bit ago. I think he just retired like 20 years ago, but um, I, you know, like, like your soccer shirt. I like those jeans, man. Those are cool. Those are cool jeans, and like your... You're those shoes, and we're just kind of like talking, and I'm probably speaking really good Spanish at about this point. I'm just kind of in complimenting in Espanol, um, 
really muy bien complimentos to him. And he is just, you know, he's loving. He, he leaves for a moment and he comes back and he has on just a pair of soccer shorts and his, and his shirt and he has his jeans and he wants to give them to me. Because I made a compliment to him, something moved inside of his heart and he goes, I just want to give and I want to give these to you. And now I'm embarrassed. I'm like, no, like, I, that's not what I meant. Like, no, keep your clothes on. I didn't want to do this. Like, I don't want your clothes. I don't want your jeans. I kind of want those jeans because they're pretty cool, but they're yours. They need to be yours. And there was just a giving heart. I'll tell you, for someone who had very little, it was in them to give much. Literally the clothes on their body. I'll give it. I just want to give. It was so humble. And I'll tell you, we did so much ministry, so much preaching of the gospel and calls of salvation and people giving their hearts to the Lord. But you know what sticks out to me? This guy gave me his jeans. It was the giver. It was this heart that wanted to flow. It just was mindful of others. It just was thoughtful that perhaps somebody else. And it just stands out as his heart of generosity. Our eyes are really connected to our heart and what we see we want to go after. This will happen even last night. I'm kind of like not hungry, but I could be convinced easily. And so last night, it's like I don't really need to eat anything, so I'll just take a look inside of the refrigerator. And as I'm looking around, like, yeah, like two old, two-week-old meat looks kind of good right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's got a little something on it, but, you know, we can microwave that. It'll be fine. I open up the refrigerator. I had frozen. I mean, this is back to, like, like Halloween candy. I had frozen. I love frozen Snicker bars. I love frozen, like, anything candy. And there's a, there's a king-size Butterfinger in there. Oof. I just felt the glory of God coming off of this Butterfinger. <laughs> And I felt as obedient that I just had to eat it. I didn't need it, but I saw it. And when I saw it, something moved inside of me. And like, I think I'm hungry now. And so that was my dinner last night was a frozen Butterfinger. And I'm eating this thing and loving every moment of this frozen Butterfinger. Or I'll just pass by. I'm like, I don't need a bag of chips. Oh, my gosh, there's a bag of chips. And it's wide open. And it's inviting me and saying, Brock, you'll be fine. Come on over. Isn't that fascinating? That what we set our eyes on. So I'll just ask you, are there things that go off inside of your heart or the lack thereof? Your heart, there's not a whole lot going on. Because we haven't fixated our eyes on something that will move us into becoming the best version of ourselves, To where I'm flowing and I'm generous and I'm thoughtful and I'm mindful and I'm the body of Christ. And I want to show others that I'm a Christian by the way I love, by the way I'm I'm giving, by the way I'm extravagant. I've seen him and I trust him and I know him and I'm not hoarding. I'm open-handedly giving. I see him in a new way. And so I trust. There's times whenever I don't want to give because I don't trust I'll ever get it back. It's a lack of trust, and it closes up my heart, and I don't know that God will ever give back to me, and, and I start kind of moving into this value exchange, and is it worth it, and all of, are they worthy of receiving it, and I just want to move into like a judgmental critic heart, and I'll only give if I, if I deem them valuable enough to receive my gift. Isn't that gross? But man, that's the way I give. It's, it's just kind of a weird operating thing, and I just want to begin to see him again. And when I see Jesus, I want to bow and bend, and then I want gifts to flow from me. 
verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw him. They saw Jesus with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's another thing that's kind of interesting is the Bible calls these men the magi or wise men. What they really are is they're astrologers. They study the stars and they kind of just like look around. And we even said it in our our play here today. We said it, misinformation. Called them three, three kings. We three kings of Orient are traveling we follow the star. The Bible doesn't call them kings. It calls them magi. Wise men, probably astrologers. And these would seem like gifts that kings could give. Well, sure, they're going to give gold. They're kings. They're loaded. No, they're probably regular dudes. They got some regular jobs. And they show up with extravagant giving. Don't eliminate yourself from being an extravagant giver because you think that you've got to be a king. I would say be an extravagant giver in the situation, the circumstance that you are right now. It's a kid. It's to share a goldfish, a cracker. It's a kid that will share your peanut butter and jelly. It's us sharing our time, talent, and treasure. It's us thinking of others. I'll tell you, Christmas is a very hard season for a lot of people. What if you were mindful and says, you know what? They're going to know that I'm a disciple. I've seen Jesus. I've walked with Jesus by the way that I love others. And there's something that I've just seen him in a way that I just want to have a generous overflow that's going on inside of my heart. Church family, we've got a really neat opportunity this morning that I want to call up here. We're going to share a story. And I want us to see Jesus in a story. And then I want us to move into generosity. Would Patrick and Ramonda come up here? And I want to make sure that we got a microphone, Shane. This one uh, has a little red thing on it. Are we good? Yep, we're good. I want Patrick and Rhonda to share what their last week has been like. Hello? Am I on? Hello? Test? Okay. Well, as you all probably know, we had a house fire exactly one week ago right now. We were standing outside in our PJs watching our house burn. And that is a very sinking feeling, let me tell you. So what we wanted to do was a couple of things up here. First of all, tell the story. Everybody wants to know what happened, you know. So we'll tell the story once to everybody. And then I got part two of that then. But uh, first of all, we'll just tell what happened. Uh, It was Sunday, uh, a little bit after 8. I was still in bed. I usually sleep in on Sunday mornings and get up in time to hurry and get ready for church. Ramonda was up, sitting on the couch, drinking her coffee. Smoke alarm goes up, goes off, wakes me up. My first thought is, okay, Ramonda's cooking breakfast and burnt something. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps going off. I'm still laying there thinking, okay, maybe I got to get up and get the smoke alarm. Suddenly, Ramonda is screaming at me, Patrick, it's a fire, get up. Boy, that'll wake you up. So I popped out of bed, ran to the dining room, looked into my office. I saw flames. Two things that we do good, that we've always done good about fire prevention is we do keep smoke alarms going. We keep the batteries up to date. You know, that made a big difference right there. It it alerted both of us because Ramonda was unaware also. 
Second thing we do right is we have a fire extinguisher in the kitchen and we both know where it is. So that's what I did. I ran to the kitchen, I grabbed the fire extinguisher, I ran back to the office, kicked the door open, pointed, pulled the trigger, nothing. Mm. What we didn't do right was look at the gauge on the extinguisher. I looked at it, zero. Like, at this point, I'm like, Ramonda, we gotta get out of here. So I ran to, the, my, ran to the bedroom, got my shoes, socks on real quick, grabbed a sweatshirt, don't know why I didn't grab a coat, had the presence of mind to open our drawer where we have a case of keys, we keep a, bag, a basket there. I grabbed the car keys. Why I didn't grab the basket, I don't know, should've. Grabbed the car keys, we ran out, I got the car out of the garage, left it running so we had a warm place to get to and we stood there and watched our house burn. It was a really desperate feeling. I'm gonna let Ramonda take over here because she wrote a text to her family in Texas. And when she read it to me, I was like, that's, that's really awesome. I think you should tell the church what you wrote to them. This is in credit to the Fairmount Fire Department and how awesome they are. Aaron, I know you're back there. Do we have any other? Trent, any other firemen in the house? Who? Frank? Oh, okay. Anybody else? You guys are awesome. Okay. Let Ramonda read that. So before I read the text, I want to just say something else first. <coughs> I've had a cough ever since the fire, so hopefully I don't cough too much. Um, bad things happen in this world. After I've had a chance to reflect, I am sure that God's hand of protection was on us last Sunday morning the entire time. Because even with a bad outcome, the timing was perfect. An hour and a half later, we would have been sitting in church and our house would have very likely burned to the ground. An hour and a half earlier, we would have both been asleep and possibly a different outcome because I was already up. It was also a Sunday morning, so our volunteer firefighters were mostly home and not out on their jobs, so that made a huge difference in response time. I ran out in my pajamas and robe, so I'm gonna tell on Alyssa because she texted me and said, oh my gosh, just think. 10 minutes later, you could have been in the shower, and isn't that a scary thought? <laughs> and I would have been 10 minutes later. So here's the text that I sent to my family. Got the fire report this morning. 911 called, 8.39 a.m. Fire truck on site, 8 45 a.m. Fire department left, 10.44 a.m. Pretty awesome volunteer fire department. Mm. Home fire statistics. Fire doubles every 30 seconds, which aligns with what we saw. Assistant fire chief came by this morning and confirmed smoke damage more significant on second level, although no fire was there. Three different fire departments came due to potential of engulfing house due to age. 
22 total firemen. They are so awesome, they even moved two pieces of furniture, a china cabinet and a corner piece, away from the wall burning on the other side to keep from damaging them from water and poking the ceiling out. Who does that while in a smoke-filled room fighting a fire, two exclamation marks, so thankful. So I know we've had some changes in our fire department. Clint Jump is the fire chief now. Aaron Solms is the assistant fire chief. And I am here to tell you firsthand, they have our communities back. The, the, um, the judgment calls that they made and the leadership that they showed saved the structure of our home. And Clinton Powell, and I don't think Blaine's here today, is he? He didn't raise his hand. Those were the two, and I, I could have some of these details wrong, but I believe they were the two that um, were leading the attack of the where the fire started. And then I believe they were also the two that went upstairs in black smoke, so thick they could not see, so they were sure there was fire upstairs, but there wasn't. And in an in a unfamiliar room, I don't know how they did that. So for all the firemen in the house, if you can please stand up and everybody acknowledge you, mm. you are amazing. Mm. I'll wrap up my part just by saying that saving the structure of our home, Pembertons have lived in that house for 83 years. So you saved for us not only the structure, but tons of memories and memorabilia in the house. And we are incredibly grateful. I, I just want to add one last thing back to what she said about moving furniture. What, what the deal was, was there's a china cabinet up against the wall of the room of the office that was burning, obviously loaded with delicate china, and there was also a corner cupboard there, very big, very heavy, with all kinds of family memorabilia on it, and we had the adjuster here this week, and we showed him what they did, how they had moved it out, and he said, wow. He said most firemen would have just thrown it out of the way. No, no regard for personal property there or whatever. So it, that truly was awesome what mm. they did. So. Come on, that's amazing. I'll tell you, it's awesome to live in a community, is it not? Where people are mindful of you, people are thoughtful of you, they'll put to, to their own hurt, they'll sacrifice themselves and run into your situation. Church family, right now we're going to blow them away, and we're going to run into their situation. And more than anything, what they need is they need finances. They need finances to replace stuff. They need finances to meet their insurance deductible. They need finances to kick a lot of stuff into gear that's able to get them back into life. All of life looks different now. 
and it's probably not re-entering this home for at least six months to a year after all of the cleaning that's needed and that's required. And so here's what we've got happening. We've got a couple ushers, and we're going we're gonna to pass some offering plates, and we're going to see Jesus the way that he ought to be seen. And he's generous, and he's good, and he's thoughtful, and he's mindful. And then we're going to show that we're Christians by our love, and we're going to love them extravagantly this morning, and we're going to give to the Pemberton family. There's one other way that you can give. Here's a couple ways, but here's, here's one other. Is their family has set up a GoFundMe page. Right here's the page. If you guys are interested in this page, you simply can just scan this QR code on your phone, and it'll take you right to their family's website on their GoFundMe. If you want to give to the church, you can give to the church, and then all of that money will then go to Patrick and Ramonda. Either way that you want to go. In that check memo, just put Pemberton's, and we'll know where that money goes. And, uh, and we're going to bless them. Right, church family? We're going to do it. We're going to bless them. We're going to show up. I mean, in the darkest hour of need, it's going to be a really awesome, fun family memory here. As we close out, and Greg, I'll have you come on up, Greg, to, uh, to, play, the, to play the organ. I'm going to pray. Ushers, go ahead, Joe. Yep. Thank you, guys. And, uh, and I'm going to pray. And all I want everybody to agree with me, all right, as we pray over them. Jesus, we're asking you right now, God, that you would just come in and that you would just love them up. Love up, Patrick. Ramonda, be big, be strong in their life. We just pray for the spirit of peace in the midst of the chaos. God, that they would rest and trust in your goodness. And God, right now we're just asking that the weight of your goodness would just fall upon them. That they would be blown away by your goodness, by the generosity of your bride and a church family. And we do just honor that. We do just celebrate that today, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, all of our church family said, amen, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.